We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind of Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCrady. Martin Paloma with me today as well. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Even though we are, uh, I think, approaching the end. Sorry. You do not think we're approaching the end of the pandemic, if you will. I still think we are uh, probably living in, in times when you need to timestamp things. It's uh, February the 10th, about 1024 in the morning, Central Standard Time as we tape this. So again, thanks for making us a part of uh, your week. We get rolling, talk about a lot of things, inflation uh, report out today that uh, U.S. inflation accelerates to a 40-year high. We'll talk about that. U.S. housing affordability worsens. Uh, the pressure from inflation uh, is... Uh, Putting pressure on the Fed to front load rate hikes. We'll get Martin to talk about what that might mean. Uh, Treasury yields hit 2% after inflation data. There's a lot of stuff here that people like me don't completely understand and probably need to. And Martin's going to help explain what that means for you. But first, I want to tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He will send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. Again, Clark Ford, 662-257-1900. You might even talk about a uh, Ford GM story that's out there this morning. But before we do that, Martin, tell the people about what's going on at Pinnacle and uh, what you can do to help them. Indeed. Man, it's uh, fun times over here uh, at Pinnacle. We are, I think we, you know, we made the announcement on the podcast, uh, either last week or the week before last that, um, you know, we've the, the, uh, the generation two advisors, which is me and, uh, Chris Dockery and, and Reed Davis have had the opportunity to, um, to, to buy the firm. And we are excited about that. Look, it looks like we'll probably close the end of the quarter. So the end of March and, uh, we'll be carrying the torch for, you know, I guess I should say February of, of this year of 2022 is, uh, is, is Pinnacle's kind of 25th anniversary. It was 25 years ago in February when Pinnacle started. So it's kind of, it's kind of funding. It's not our funding. Oh my gosh. It's kind of funny that, uh, that was a Freudian slip that, you know, we're, we're kind of changing control of, you know, the next generation carrying the torch at the 25 year mark. It seems like a, like a pretty good round number to say, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to carry you for the next 25 years, which is probably true. I mean, I'm 39, uh, you know, in April. So that would put me right at the, the 65 mark, which, uh, which makes a lot of sense, man. So, uh, we're excited about that transition and, you know, and having an opportunity to, to own, uh, what we've helped build for the last 10 years. So, 
Um, you know, one of the things from a client standpoint that, uh, you know, a lot of folks don't really know the impact of, and, and I know we might get into a little bit of this on the show is, you know, is how all of this financial news that's being reported, how does it actually impact you either in your checkbook or in your, you know, in your 401k. And uh, those are a lot of the things we help folks kind of sort out. And, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up in the, you know, oh my gosh, inflation's at a 40 year high. And it is, and that is a, it's a fact. It's not, it's not a lie, <clears throat> but, but it's not going to, it's not going to persist for a long period of time. So we do try to, we try to plan for the long term. You know, we make adjustments in the short term. You know, if, uh, if it's a big enough uh, obstacle to overcome, we'll make the adjustments. But I could totally understand how, you know, everything that's in the news today is, is, is so much fear driven. Um, you know, people could get overwhelmed and uh, make emotional decisions. And so that's, you know, when we partner with folks, we try to take the emotions out of the decision making process by just looking at the math behind everything. So if you're doing it yourself and you have a, a knot in your stomach or, um, you know, you say, hey, I think it's time for me to get some help. You know, we'd love to talk to you. We may, you know, we may not make sense for some folks and uh, and that's okay. We can have a conversation first to see if it's a good fit for, for a client or if it's a good fit for us too. And then uh, we can go from there. But you can, you can call us at 601-957-0323 uh, or email us at info at mypinnwealth.com. All right, so we'll start with inflation because I think it's a, it's a, obviously something that's impacting everyone, right? Uh, kind of no matter yep. your level Doesn't of income, are, yeah. yeah, no matter who you are, no one's immune from this. Can, wait, hold on. I shouldn't say. I mean, Im- if you eat food or drive a car, yeah, it, it's impacting you. I shouldn't say immune because if I say immune, that might <laughs> that might trigger someone to think that I said something about immunity, which might trigger someone to think I said something about natural immunity, which would make me a domestic terrorist. So I need to be very careful with that word, uh, Big Brother. If you're listening, <sighs> the country's just crazy. Uh, U.S. and this is Wall Street Journal. Our friend uh, Gwen Guilford wrote this. Good job, Gwen. Yeah, uh, U.S. inflation accelerated to a 7.5 percent annual rate in January, reaching a four-decade high. As strong consumer demand and pandemic-related supply constraints kept pushing up prices. The Labor Department on Thursday said the Consumer Price Index, which measures what consumers pay for goods and services, was last month at its highest level since February 1982, when compared with January a year ago and higher than December's 7% annual rate. Inflation has been above 5% for the past eight months as a U.S. rebound from earlier in the COVID-19 pandemic created imbalances in the economy. The so-called core price index, which excludes the often volatile categories of food and energy, excludes, Martin, climbed 6% in January from a year earlier. That was a sharp rise, sharper rise than December's 5.5% increase and the highest rate in nearly 40 years. On a monthly basis, the CPI, again, core price index, increased a seasonally adjusted 0.6% last month, holding steady the same pace as in December. Uh, prices were up sharply for a number of everyday household items, including food, vehicles, shelter, and electricity. A sharp uptick in housing rental prices, one of the biggest monthly costs for households, contributed to last month's increase. Used car prices continued to drive in overall inflation, raising uh, rising 40.5% in January from a year ago. 40.5%. Wow. However, prices for used cars moderated on a month-to-month basis, increasing by 1.5%. Food prices surged 7%, the sharpest rise since 1981. Restaurant prices rose by the most since the early 1980s, pushed up by an 8% jump in fast food prices from a year earlier. Grocery prices increased 7.4% as meat and egg prices continued to climb at double-digit rates. I know there's a lot here, but this is what this is about Energy prices rose 27%, easing from November's peak of 33.3%. But the jump in electricity costs was particularly sharp when compared with historical trends, with prices up 10.7% from a year ago and 4.2% from December. The latter was the sharpest one-month rise 
since 2006. In other words, Martin, everything costs more, and wages aren't going up along with those costs. Right, and that's a, there's actually a measure for that, you know, and wages are a huge part of of um, you know what what helps with continue to push inflation up. So if you make more money, you have more money to spend, you know, and I'm basically breaking this down to very elementary uh, level conversation, but more money you spend, that means that you'll, the demand for things for you will be higher. Uh, Therefore, if there is a fixed supply of quote unquote things, meaning if we only made 10 widgets and there's 15 of us that want to buy those 10 widgets, uh, the price can go up on those 10 things until, you know, uh, until, until the, uh, the highest bidder starts taking them out and, and the, the seller will sell them at the highest price. So, you know, it does kind of make some sense, um, you know, with inflation numbers. And a lot of that goes back to, you know, in, oh my gosh, I'm Rona brain 2020 when our government, you know, didn't know what was going on with, with COVID and started pumping, you know, money into the economy. And I'm, I'm not going to get on the, you know, it was a good thing. It was a bad thing. I'm just going to say what, what happened, right? They started pumping money into the economy. So uh, you kind of, it was almost the prequel to that there was going to be some inflation because when there's money to spend, um, you know, there's going to be a demand for, goods and services are going to be higher, you know, couple that in with, there have been some, you know, some, some supply chain kinks. So we're not going to, that's not made up. Uh, so it's kind of like a double, it's a double whammy there. You have a higher demand for things and, you know, and then you have a smaller supply because we've had some supply chain issues. So it does kind of create the uh, the perfect storm for there to be consumer price inflation CPI. Now the thing that that is kind of wild and it'll probably swing back down, uh, you know, at some point is, you know, oil prices. So, dude, when we were talking just a few weeks ago, you know, oil was in the seventy five, eighty dollars uh, a gallon range. And, uh, today it is, it's up over $90 a gallon. And so I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, we, I I said, and I'll stick by this and I'll say it, you know, the energy industry, I think the equilibrium of where it's good for business and good for the consumer is that 75 to $80, uh, you know, oil range, because that puts gas at, you know, three ish bucks a gallon. Um, I want to say, you know, even last week, uh, I bought gas at two ninety nine in Jackson today. I was passing when I was uh, passing the gas stations on the way into work, I was just looking and seeing they were three nineteen. So, you know, up, um, pretty significantly, you know, almost 10% or caught seven and a half, eight percent, you know, just in a week. Uh, I mean, dude, that's, that stuff does hit the middle class and, you know, in the lower class. So here's a story from our girl, uh, Gwen Guilford. Okay, cool. Keep on, Gwen. Where's she? Where's she? Wait, is this the same Gwen that? Same Gwen. Same Gwen. Okay, cool. Good job, Gwen. Very busy. A twofer. Big day. Man, she's a. Big day. We need to send her a plaque. We should. We should send it. Yeah, we should. We absolutely should. She says, uh, the average U.S. household is spending an additional $250 a month. You were talking about, hey, this is how much it costs. This is the average. It's $250 a month because of inflation that is rising at its fastest rate in 40 years. A new economic analysis showed the squeeze stems from higher prices across a range of products and services, including cars, gasoline, furniture, and groceries. Inflation accelerated. We already went through that. A lot of people are hurting because of high inflation. $250 a month. That's a big burden, said Ryan Sweet, a senior economist at Moody's Analytics who conducted the analysis. It really handles hammers home the point of what is the cost of inflation. Mr. Sweet came up with the figure by comparing what the average household spent under 7% inflation versus the amount it would have spent when inflation was 2.1%, which was the average in 2018 and 2019, which was 
different time in our country's history. Yeah. Prices yep. for certain goods and services jumped more than prices for others, which means people who paid for those things probably have suffered a bigger inflation burden than those who didn't. Any consumers unlucky enough to have needed a new washing machine <laughs> and raise might have taken a bigger hit compared with others from inflation because laundry equipment prices leapt. I like that word, leapt. 12.1% last year. Research shows that inflation is also squeezing some groups on average more than others. The Consumer Price Index reflects the change in prices for the average basket of spending, but people's spending baskets, I like that too. This is my spending basket, uh, vary based on who they are, which influences to some degree their daily needs, where they live, how they get around, and what they do for fun. With prices for different goods and services rising at different rates, those variations influence how big a chunk inflation is eating out of their budgets. I can tell you that it, two years ago cost me uh, between 50 and $55 to fill up my Clark Ford F-150. <laughs> yep. Yep. I uh, <clears throat> filled up in Tupelo the other night. Carson had soccer. I had to get him to Tupelo. I went to the Blue Sky. Uh, Blue Sky yep. is a big sponsor Exxon. of the uh, Oxford Exxon podcast. That's right. Uh, Craddock Oil and the people at Blue Sky do a great job. I do not get a discount on Blue Sky's gasoline. That's unfortunate, man. It is. And I filled up my F-150. I was down to about 30 miles until empty. I filled it up. It was $97. How big of a tank do you – so I have an F-150 as well. Um, and I think my tank is like 20, 22 gallons, something like that. I mean, I don't want you to do fill you have a, Do you have a large gas? Yeah, I don't want you to feel inferior, but I'm bigger than that. I mean, yeah, I'm – I mean, but I'm okay being, you know, being a baby truck. I mean, that's what I've called my truck from the very beginning because I have the I have the small V6. Yeah, I think my, um, my I think my the tank is holds 31, 32 gallons somewhere in there. But that's okay. what it costs. It was it was ninety seven dollars yeah. to fill up my truck, and I thought about yeah. it as I did that. I thought, well, that's inflation. I mean, if if, if two years ago when I made the same trip to Tupelo and I did, and I filled up at the same place in Tupelo and I did because I'm loyal to the people at Blue Sky. Yeah. Because Me well, I mean, I'm a creature of habit, man. Once I find something that works, I I wear it out until it doesn't work anymore. Well, Blue and the thing been... I love about the Exxons too. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to go down no, this rabbit hole. I have the app for the Exxon. Um, so and we have a Blue Sky that's right across from my house, and because I'll whip up in there and and use my app to pay for, you know, pay for the gas and and earn some points. Because uh, man, like. I guess I, probably about every three months or so, I do get a free tank of gas with the with the points that I have. Oh, anyway, wow. I digress. So, so yeah, so but I filled up, but but what so. what would cost me? Let's, let's use fifty five as the number, and now cost me. We'll roll we'll round it down to ninety five. It's forty dollars. It's a huge difference in in filling up a tank of of gasoline and. And yes, I drive a lot because Carson yep. goes to play soccer and we have to travel because he wants to get better at soccer. And I realize that's not a necessary expenditure. I'm not asking for anyone's sympathy, but my, my point is, <coughs> pardon me, there are a lot of people that are like me that we do drive. We drive our kids places and whether it's to take little Johnny to baseball or to soccer or little Jenny to dance or, or so- softball or soccer or, or cheer or whatever the case may be, uh, those those. Those expenses, driving you know little Johnny or little Jenny out to his or her activity on yep. Tuesday night, is more expensive than it was two years ago to do the same activity, and that does impact people's pocketbooks in different ways. Yeah. I mean, dude, today this is a. I'm just going to piggyback on what you're already talking about, but Christopher has his last regular season high school soccer match ever he's a senior this year and uh it's in starkville so i'm gonna make the you know the two-hour trek from uh from jackson to starkville and it won't it won't cost me a you know a full tank of gas i do because i have that baby six cylinder so i do get i mean i get you know 23 miles to the gallon uh on the highway but and i have a 22 gallon tank you know and starkville's probably i don't know 120 miles from from uh, from Jackson, so it's called a 250 mile round trip. I generally get about you know 500 miles to the gallon. So I'm gonna spend you know half a tank, so call it 10 gallons. It's a 
it's a, that's going to be a 32, $33 trip for me to go, you know, to go watch my kid play soccer. And I do have a choice because, um, our, I'm grateful for our school. Uh, they, they live stream, um, all of the games. So if, you know, if it's out of town and folks don't want to travel, you know, they could, they could watch that, but it's, it's his last game. So I'm going to spend the $32, but if this was, uh, you know, if this was a year ago, you're right, man, that would have been a $10 trip. Um, cause I mean, I remember filling my truck up for, gosh, it would be, you know, it's probably about $25, uh, to fill the whole thing up, you know, at the very beginning of this pandemic, when no one was traveling, there was no demand. And so, uh, you know, the reverse of inflation is when there is no demand for things, prices will fall until it meets a level where there becomes a, a steady demand for, uh, for, for a thing, a service or a, or a, or a product at, uh, at a certain price. So, and that's kind of where, you know, what the Fed's job is going to be over the next, you know, year, two years is to kind of try to cool off, um, you know, the inflation number. The good thing is, man, is our economy, if you look at our economy, it's strong as an ox right now. Yeah. I mean, our GDP growth is supposed to be, you know, somewhere in the, uh, I think it was like four to 5% range. So the nation's going to grow at a four to 5% clip. Um, it, I think earnings in the S and P, uh, Reed was talking about it a couple of days ago. I think earnings in the S and P 500 are expected to be about 9% this year. So, I mean, that's, that's good. That's strong, but it also means that, you know, our economy can handle higher interest rates. And so as the fed is raising rates, I don't think it's going to have a, you know, this terrible impact on our economy. And then historically, and, and I guess, let me make this disclaimer, you know, past performance never guarantees future results. Okay. But historically, when there have been rate increases, the stock market has really done really well over the next two years during that increase. And if you want to break it down into the why factor of that, because really, if you're raising rates, if the Fed is doing their job raising rates, they're raising rates because we have an economy that's strong and can take it. So if we have an economy that's strong and can take it, that generally translates into, you know, it's a, that markets are going to, stock markets are going to, are going to perform well. But, you know, on the bond front, you know, the, that relationship is kind of like the, the seesaw when you're a little kid, one kid goes up, one kid goes down. So as interest rates are going up, you know, core bond prices, which are like your government bonds, a lot of your corporate bonds, and even your, you know, tax-free bonds, which are like, uh, you know, with Oxford High School needed to build a new building, they might go out to the public and say, hey, um, we're building a building that's going to cost us five million bucks. And then the public gives the school five million dollars and they get, you know, their money back at the end of, you know, five, ten years and they get an interest payment. Mm -hmm. So the prices of those bonds are going to go down. So where a lot of folks you know, used to say, oh, well, you know, st stocks are dangerous and bonds are safe. Well, it's kind of a weird time right now where actually the more you pile into bonds right now, just expect that there's going to be headwind. You're going to, you know, you don't, you won't lose as much as, you know, the bond market's never going to go down 30%. That just, that doesn't happen, but it may go down five. It may go down eight. It may go down 10. And, but when you're making 3% a year, it takes a long time to make up you know, a down 10% if you're only making a 3% interest rate, you know, each year. So um, now is not the time for folks to get all emotional and crazy with how they, you know, manage their portfolio. Just need to have a long-term outlook, stay the course. The economy is in good shape. Um, there's probably some opportunities outside of the U.S., you know, depending on what happens with this, uh, like, Ukrainian conflict, which I don't really know I really don't know a ton about it, so I don't want to, you know, dive into the what could happen with it. Um, but it could make some headways for, you know, investing outside of the U.S. So I know I just verbally vomited all over everybody and fed people through a fire hose. So I'll 
I'll shut up and and let, and let you take back control, Neil. All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I love the transition. All right. So, well, no, there's a lot there, and, and you you nailed it. I, I don't, there's there's certain things I don't want to uh, I don't want to because you mentioned the Fed, you mentioned yep. interest rates. This is uh, from Nick Timmy Riles, I think is how you say his name. Nick Timmy Riles of uh, okay, Wall Street yeah. Journal. He says another strong inflation report likely to add to the urgency. Federal Reserve officials will feel to speed up a series of interest rate increases this spring to yeah. ease surging prices and cool the economy. Uh, talked about the consumer prices, etc. Fed officials in the months ahead are closely looking for signs that the month-over-month pace of price increases will slow. If prices continue to rise at such a steady clip, Officials have signaled they could be forced to ratchet up interest rates more aggressively to slow down hiring and prevent a wage price spiral in which brisk wage growth fuels more inflation. All right, walk me through that because the common person's going to read that, and when I say common person, I'm referring to me. Um, I'm like, wait a minute. We want to slow hiring down? Why do we want to slow hiring down? We want people to go back to work, right? Yeah, I mean, we do want people <clears throat> to go back to work, but I think he was talking about tempering the wage inflation. Uh, yeah, to that, prevent, he says, he says, he says they could be forced to ratchet up interest rates more aggressively to slow down hiring and prevent yep. a wage price spiral in which brisk wage growth fuels more inflation. Yep. So we we kind of talk. I kind of hit on that earlier with the. You know, if someone is is making more money than they and they have more, let's call it, you know, dis, the term disposable income. So they've got just cash laying around. that's not dedicated for, you know, um, electric bill, a utility bill, kids stuff, food, like just extra money you've got laying around. I mean, generally speaking, most Americans are going to spend that money. Some of them will save it. Some of them will pay down debt. But most Americans are going to Walmart. They're getting that, you know, 82 inch Vizio that they've just been dying to have because, you know, they, they need a new TV in the house because the Super Bowl's coming up, baby. So, like, that's what that's what ends up happening when there's wage inflation. Man, I'm paying more on car payments. I'm like trying to get ahead on car payments. Dude, me too, man. That's what I try me to too. do. I'm I mean, in the same boat as you right now. I'm trying to knock out my, my truck note. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> like. I pay an extra. Minimum $111 a month on my car payment because I'm trying to, like in my mind, I'm like, ooh, I'm cutting I'm cutting a month off this. I'm cutting two months off this. I'm, I'm thinking that way, like I'm taking a six-year payment plan and making it a 4.7-year year yep. payment plan. And I think about, ooh, that last 1.3 years, if, if, if the truck's still rolling and I'm not paying for it, that's money in my pocket now. Anyway, yep. go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, but so – when you have when you have wage inflation, most of the time that's going to turn into which is not it's not necessarily bad for the economy, right? Because we want people to spend spend money in the economy. But but where he's talking about the spiral right now, it's kind of like you know the cat or the dog chasing its tail. So if we've got more money being thrown at things, whether it's goods or services, it's going to support you know, uh, that, that, that price at a higher level and only when money starts, stops or slows down flowing towards, you know, buying new Vizios, are they going to take the price of that Vizio? And I'm just making numbers up from, you know, a thousand dollars down to, you know, 900 bucks down to 850. And so you kind of get a deflationary pressure on the price of things. So it's kind of like, let's just talk about gasoline for just a second and oil, because this, this did happen and this is probably how it's going to happen again. So when, when the whole world quote unquote was shut down in you know, March, April, May, whatever of 2020, uh, there was no demand for gas. There was no demand for hotel rooms. There was no demand for flights. So, you know, you could find crazy. I mean, like we, we booked flights to Hawaii, which got canceled because Hawaii sucks uh, and they wouldn't let us in. 
in the summer. But I bought, dude, I bought, I bought flights for Hawaii round trip for $400. And I was like, I was licking my chops. I was like, hell yes. Cause the last time, you know, Jen and I have only been to Hawaii once before. And, uh, I paid three times that amount for an airline ticket, but because there was no one flying, man, they were just trying to, to get the prices to a point where someone would bite. You know, you could go stay in a hotel room in a decent hotel room for, you know, 89 or, you know, $99 a night. I mean, well, in May we went to the beach, um, because I could work from anywhere that May. And we went to a, we got a condo for the week at Gulf Shores. And I just worked from, from the condo and it was like $75 a night, which was crazy. So because there wasn't a lot of demand for travel and those things, prices just came down. So flip side, you know, now oil is people are, you know, employed again, money's, you know, money's moving through the economy and oil, the demand for gasoline has, you know, continued to go up. People who didn't travel for the last few years because of Rona are, are traveling, they're getting out, they're doing things. So, uh, whenever people start going, gosh, man, it costs me a hundred bucks to fill up. I'm, I'm just not going to make those, you know, extra trips to, I'm not going to go to start. Well, I'm going to stay at the house and watch the live stream of Christopher's soccer game. When people start making alternative decisions about spending money, the prices will come down. So if there is, if interest rates go up, then that means it's costing businesses, you know, more money, uh, day to day to do their business. If they're having to do, you know, lean on any type of uh, line of credit or short, short-term lending, which big businesses do small businesses, not so much. Um, and then if they're, if it's costing them more to lean on that line of credit or to, you know, to build a new building, they decide they're not going to, because interest rates are, you know, are at a level to where it doesn't make sense for them anymore. That will slow down productivity, meaning they'll start hiring less people and then folks will, you know, therefore not have as much money flowing in the economy and the prices of things will start coming down because people will make alternative decisions on the things that they were buying when they were flush with cash or when the government was, you know, shooting money out of a cannon, uh, you know, into people's bank accounts and they didn't have to worry about, you know, cash because they were flush with it and they weren't paying their rent because there was a moratorium on eviction. So now that people are paying rent, you know, there's, there'll be less money supply or less money in circulation and that will bring the prices of things down. So I know that that was like a really long, uh, around the world explanation of how, you know, wage inflation, interest rates rising can check, you know, wage inflation and check core inflation in our economy. That's fascinating. I I wish I understood. I understand it better than I did five minutes ago. I, I wish I understood it more completely. It just it sure, man. I mean, it seems it is. It's a science. It's crazy. I mean, it seems counterproductive a, a that you'd science, want to slow that you would want to slow the economy down. It seems counterproductive that you would want to stop wages from increasing. That you would stop. You would want people to not make more money. That that feels counterintuitive. But I, I understand what you're saying. I just. I have to think about well, it for a minute. And a really good example for the wage thing, and I, I won't say names to protect, you know, the people that told me this, but I was having a conversation with a guy literally yesterday morning. It's not one of those, oh, yesterday I was talking to a dude. It was literally at 830 in the morning yesterday. We were talking about his business. And he said, you know, a couple of years ago, he needed 21 people to to run, the to do what he does, um, you know, efficiently. And uh, today he only had 15 people on staff and there was a dude he fired a couple of months ago because of poor performance, right? He didn't do a good job and he ended up having to hire that guy back and pay him more because he could not find workers. And so, you know, that's kind of an anomaly. That's a weird, that's a weird space to be in. So when things are normal, like, you know, wages aren't going to, you're not going to pay someone more that you fired a couple months ago to come back to work because you can't get, you can't get workers. It's so and, hard to get like contractors right now. Like, we have a, yeah. we have a, a couple of projects uh, at our house that need to be done that I'm not equipped. Yeah, me too, I'm, I'm not equipped to do. Right. I mean, I, I probably, 
I probably could add some fire bricks to an outdoor chimney, but I'm not sure that I would do it right. And um, I'd rather have somebody who knows what he or she is doing do it right. And it's impossible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have that at my house. One of my best buds I grew up with is a plumber, which is nice to have a really good friend who's a plumber because that's an area where I could get taken advantage of and I have no idea whether, you know, what they're doing is right or wrong or even necessary. But, you know, I, and mine's not a huge, huge issue. So I realize that I'm kind of not at his front burner, but I, we have a tankless hot water heater at our house and it's kind of weird this year. The, the temperatures at night have been kind of frigid in Jackson, which is not really normal. I know you guys had a bunch of ice and stuff, um, you know, last week, but what's kind of weird that's been happening is the days where it's really, 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 really cold at night in the morning, it's like the tankless water heater does not want to heat the water. The, like I can turn the shower on and the water flows, but it's ice cold. And, uh, but about midday when temperatures have risen and our tankless water heaters in our attic, um, and when temperatures have risen, like it's no problem to get the hot water to, it's like, in, it's like, in, it, it's just got to get warmed up or something in the mornings. And so I buzzed them because, you know, I got kids at my house that don't want to take ice cold showers in the morning. Everybody's been showering at night, but I was like, Hey dude, can you come check this out? And he's like, man, I can. He's like, I'm, I'm slammed. And he's like, I'll, but I'll get to you. And I was like, all right. And then that was, that was a week. That was a week ago, week and a half ago. And I'm not, I'm not mad about it, but I know that he's like backed up with. Has he not gotten work. to you yet, Martin? <laughs> what is his name <laughs> and number? Not. We're going to call him right now. We're going to get him. He's on an the sh- awesome dude. It's McAlpin Plumbing and Gas. A little short little plug for my buddy in Jackson, Patrick McAlpin. He's an awesome plumber. <laughs> Patrick, he just. I don't. I, Patrick, you know, Patrick, let's get this done, show, man. man. Come on, now, let's go. He loves your show. Let's so go, Patrick. He, Martin, I know, he's Martin. an awesome dude. But like, I get it, man. Like, I he's, do too. You know, he's he's, and and probably good for him. Like, he has. He's not gonna have to worry about his family starving, right? No, because he's got plenty of work. No, he, he could just work. doesn't have enough. He could work to, around the clock if he if yeah, he chose if to. he wanted to. Yeah, he, could, he, yeah. he literally could. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, McAlpin Plumbing and Gas. There you go. Look him up. Facebook, whatever. So. Good dude. One of my good friends. You guys will give people plugs. I already We're gave plugging. <laughs> this is a plug-in show. Uh, Corey Clark at Clark Ford. <laughs> yeah. Was telling me, has told me in the past, it's very difficult to get inventory right now. Lots of yeah. people want to buy a Ford product. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Dude, I've been on his website looking for, for trucks, too. Just kind of seeing what they have in inventory. Um I get it, though. But. I may have to get them to build me one. Sometimes, well, you, you just might. <laughs> uh, so this is from uh, Paul Vieira and Jackie McNish. They both combined to write this. I think that what they do is they alternate words. And then you put it together and you have the story. I'm kidding. Uh, Detroit-based automakers have scaled back production in the U.S. and Canada and temporarily sent Canadian employees home because of parts shortages caused by protest against COVID-19 vaccine mandates. The lobby group representing the big three Detroit car makers in Canada and the union representing auto workers say Ford Motor Company and Stellantis NV are experiencing production interruptions at the Canadian operations because of a protest entering its fourth day that has disrupted commercial truck traffic at the Ambassador Bridge, a key U.S.-Canada trade corridor that connects Detroit with Windsor, Ontario. Ford implemented a temporary shutdown at its assembly plant in Oakville, Ontario, near Toronto, and it shut down an engine plant in Windsor. Stellantis had to cut short shifts this week. Representatives for Ford and Stellantis didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. General Motors Company on Thursday canceled the morning work shift at an assembly plant in Lansing, Michigan, because of a parts shortage stemming from the disruption on the bridge. A spokesman said GM also called off an evening work shift Wednesday at the same plant, which makes uh, Chevrolet and Buick SUVs. So, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. And we, all these things, you know, the world is intertwined. This is proof yep. that the world is intertwined. The um, Gosh, I'm almost afraid to say this with Big Brother listening, but there's a real pushback happening in society right now against mandates, mask mandates, vaccine mandates. There are people who have said, that's it. 
I'm done. I'm standing up. I'm fighting back. Uh, the, the trucker protest in Canada appears to be quite effective. A change has absolutely happened in, in Canada. There's, it's, um, it's created a lot of angst. But it has also created um, a difficult time for the people up there to make the vehicles that we want to buy down here. So yep. if they can't make them, it's hard to get them here. And if you can't get them here, kind of hard to drive them off the lot. And if you can't drive them off the lot, it's kind of hard to buy them. Yeah. You know, and I wonder how, like, how long, and this is my ADD, you know, rabbit trail, but on topic, but heading down the rabbit trail. How long will it be before people start looking at, you know, what Elon Musk uh, is doing, has done at Tesla, where you have a vertically integrated company, meaning like for Ford, if this happened with Ford, like their pain point right now is chips, right? So at what point does Ford just say, you know what, screw this, we are going to go hire, you know, uh, really smart people from, you know, Taiwan Semiconductor or Intel or, you know, uh, I don't know, NVIDIA, name your, you know, your semiconductor company that manufactures chips. We're going to go hire some of those really smart people and we're going to just start making our own chips. And because we don't want to depend on, you know, other people, like how long before enough is enough where companies just say, screw it, we're going to vertically, vertically integrate and we'll just own all of the you know, parts manufacturers that we need to to build our stuff so we don't get bottlenecked by BS that's, you know, that's out of our control. And I I don't expect, that's not a rhetorical question. I'm just, you know, I I wonder, how long does it take? How long does it take before that happens? I don't know. I don't expect you to answer that. What's your thought? I mean, dude, I don't know either. But I mean, I know if I'm the CEO of a company, and, you know, I'm responsible. I have shareholders that I, I have to answer to. And, you know, I keep going back to my shareholders who are really my clients and can fire me. Yeah. Keep going back to them going, well, you know, gosh, we have this, we have an, uh, another chip shortage. The chip shortage is still going on. Like how long before investors go, dude, do something about it or shut up and, and make, and make me money, figure out a way. This is what we pay you. Million, tens of millions of dollars a year is to think critically and solve problems. And at some point people are going to be worn out from the, you know, supply chain story. And I get it. It's real. I'm not minimizing it, but you know, how long is it before you, they jump into action and say, we're just going to do this ourselves. We're going to go hire the people. We're going to invest. And, and dude, I mean, I shut up. I guess I should shut up because it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, but during all of the, the huge shortage issues and when interest rates were really low, I mean, I think that was the time to do it. You know, uh, you know, now as interest rates are going to start rising, if you're going to build a plant, it's going to cost you more money to build that plant. You should have done it a year and a half ago, or at least locked in the financing for it, you know, a year and a half ago or a year ago to, to start building that stuff. And, you know, and, and stop depending on China and stop depending on, you know, all of these countries that don't care about us don't, you know, they don't have a, that doesn't impact them if they don't send chips to us. So let's, let's take the, let's take the sword out of their hands. Anyway, let's grab our por- torches and pitchforks. Uh, I'll just sit here behind the microphone and tell CEOs what they should do. But, but you're right though. At some point investors are going to say, listen, I know there's, I know there's issues, but, yeah, accountability. I'm in this for money. Yeah, why haven't you done anything? Elon Musk seems to be able to figure this out. We know he's one of the smartest dudes in the world. You don't have to be smarter than him. Just copy him and do what he does. Maybe do it better. I think that's what the like the Japanese were really, really good at, too, is finding like someone else would create something and they would just figure out how to do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right, you you want to you, you want to close on a little, little more fun note? <laughs> yeah, let's 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 close with fun, man. All right. Cuz I just feel like I just lectured the CEOs of America. 
Of course, they're all, they all listen to our show, so Heck I'm yeah. sure that I will get a phone call in the next week or two, and um, you know, I may have to depart from from Pinnacle when Ford hires me as their CEO to pay me, you know, fifteen or twenty million dollars a year. I, will you be mad at me if I do that, Neil? No, you gotta do what okay. you gotta do, man. I mean, dude, if even if I just make it a year or six months, I mean, seven and a half million dollars, I I think I can live the rest of my life on that. All right, here we go. Let's do it. You may have heard. There's a football game this weekend. Is there? The Super Bowl. Who's Super, playing? Super Bowl 56 oh. between the Los Angeles Rams <laughs> and my Cincinnati Bengals. I heard that there was going to be a football game breakout at a really badass halftime show. Oh, yeah. So, well, let me tell you what else is happening at the uh, Super Bowl this weekend. <laughs> Bet, this is from the New York Post. Uh, Thomas Barabi. All right. What's up, Thomas? Bets on this weekend Super Bowl. Expected to near record eight billion as laws loosened. Jeez. Super Bowl fifty six, Thomas writes, is shaping up as one of the most most bet sporting events in history as states around the country have loosened rules on gambling and more people join in the fun. Americans will bet a record seven point six one billion dollars on this year's contest between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, according to estimate estimates. That would mark an increase of more than $3.3 billion, or a whopping 78% compared to the previous year. Looking for the rest of the story. Sometimes it's kind of hard to find. There's lots of ads, but here we go. A record 31.4 million Americans are expected to place online or in-person wagers on Sunday's game. An increase of 35% compared to last year's game according to the American Gaming Association's annual national survey. Sports betting tallies have exploded as more states legalize wagers for online and brick-and-mortar sports books. A total of 30 states, as well as Washington, D.C., currently offer legal sports betting just a few years after the Supreme Court struck down a federal ban. Meanwhile, more than 18 million Americans are expected to participate in more casual wagers a Super Bowl pool, squares contest, or other bets with friends, according to the survey's results. The NFL has fully embraced sports betting after years of shunning it. Caesars and DraftKings are both slated to run commercials during the Super Bowl, with 30-second time slots selling for as much as $7 million, according to Variety. And New York's recent launch of legal sports betting should provide a major boost to this year's numbers as well. New York-based operators took more than $1.6 billion in wagers in January alone, outpacing every other state in the country and topping previous market leader New Jersey's best month by $300 million. Of New York's $1.64 billion total for January, $1.62 billion flowed through mobile sportsbooks. New, New Jersey's figures for January won't be released until February 16th. Caesars was the early leader among New York operators in terms of handle or amount of money wagered, taking more than $615 million in bets last month. FanDuel and DraftKings are also top contenders. There you go. Who you got in the big game? Who you betting on? Um, I'm not well, – I won't be betting on, on anyone. Uh, I don't have any betting accounts or anything like that, but um, – you know, I don't know, dude. I kind of, uh, I like the Bengals story. Um, and dude, I kind of just like Sean McVay, you know, for the Rams. Like he just seems like a dude that would be, and he may not be, man. He may be a, he may be a really like nerdy guy. That's really hard to have a conversation with, but he just seems like he'd be a cool dude to talk to. Um, but I don't, I don't know. And then I've got, you know, Cam Akers is a Jackson kid, uh, you know, for the Rams. So, I don't know, dude. I don't know who I'm going to pull for. I think I'm just going to enjoy the game and enjoy that it's, you know, that it's uh, that Cincinnati has made it to the big show. What two years after? After uh, was when? When did Burrow get there? Two years ago. This is his second year. Second year. I mean, dude, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, he's had a, he's had a pretty incredible, you know, from a. I'm not going to call him a nobody, right? But no, at least I didn't know who Joe Burrow was, you know, five years ago. And then all of a sudden he, you know, takes LSU to the to the big game and wins it. And then, you know, here he is two years later in the NFL taking the Bengals to the the big game. It'd be kinda cool to watch him 
win that, but I think it's going to be one that I'll uh, I'll just enjoy. I could I could find reasons to pull for both sides. Yeah, I'm, I'm cheering for the Bengals. Been a Bengals cool. fan since July the first. Lifetime. <laughs> All right, so why July the first? That's a very specific day. So uh, something the, happened. That, that was the day that Carson and I were in Cincinnati, and the guy. Oh, we were okay. the, the guy gave us the tour, and it was really fun, and we had a good oh, time. Oh yeah, I remember you. I remember you telling us that. And we've we've cheered for the Bengals all year. It's been a lot of fun. gave us gave us something to uh, kind of bond over, and yeah, man. So we've we've cheered for the Bengals all season, and we got super excited last week when when they uh, upset the Chiefs or two weeks ago, and so here we go, dude. I tell you what, I mean, they. I tell you, they have been fun to watch and i and I, i'll be totally honest i haven't watched them i didn't watch them in the regular season but in the in the playoff home stretch dude they have been they have been a lot of fun to watch they won a game late in the regular season against the chiefs where i said "Ooh, this is interesting they're a little better than they're a little better than people think they are and sure enough here we are so hopefully they'll pull it off should be a great game i know many of you will be out enjoying it um hope your bet goes well yeah, uh, and i guess dude it is kind of weird sorry add so last year Tampa was in the big dance and it was at Tampa, right? That's correct. That, that was then, the first uh, time in Super Bowl history that the home that it, the host team was playing in the game. And it happens two years in a row, which is the way things work, you know, it goes a long time and then it happens in bunches. That's kind of crazy, man. So you asked I to, did you, see a you funny missed the big joke that the, was uh, the, the, that the, was saying if they never wanted to have this happen again, they just need to put the Super Bowl permanently <laughs> in uh Dallas at the <laughs> yeah that was that was the funny stadium. that the NFL was very concerned about how this created a home field advantage so they have announced <laughs> that every Super Bowl will be in Dallas that took care of that <laughs> yeah they could put it in Miami too or in Washington yeah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll wrap there I appreciate right, you dude. guys uh, making us a part of your week hope you enjoyed uh, the show again uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. Again, Martin, I know you did this at the beginning, but tell people how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, man. Uh, you can reach us on the phone, 601-957-0323, or email us, uh, info at mypinnwealth.com. All right. That's uh, how to get in touch with Martin and the people at Pinnacle. I highly recommend it. We'll be back next week, as I said. Until then, enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. Uh, be safe out there, and we will talk to you again next week. For Martin, I'm Neil. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.